Welcome to the After Dark Podcast, the podcast in which Anthony leads his unknowing friend Conrad by the hand through TV shows. Will Conrad like them? Will Conrad hate them? Will Conrad predict what's going to happen, or will he be lost in the dark? Find out now, only on the After Dark Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony, and that's Conrad. Hello. That's him. Well, Conrad, how are you this week? Um, I'm not bad. I'm trying to think what I've done. It's been a hell of a week of work, but we've had some good... We've had some good... The listeners won't know this. There's no reason why they would. We've had some good D&D sessions this week and some good other podcasting recording sessions. So I'm hoping to... I don't know if we let them peek behind the curtain. I'm not going to peek behind the curtain. We're recording this later than we normally would, and I'm hoping to go out on a high this week. Yeah, so this is a Friday. We are currently recording this. Yeah. So it's, we've both got that Friday. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> after we record this, we're both going to sit back, have a big, large glass of milk. Yeah. And we're going to enjoy this week. <laughs> yep. We'll do what George, George Costanza does in Seinfeld, and we're going to take a big chunk out of a big hunk of cheese. <laughs> and then... You know, the summer of George. I can't remember what he says after, like, when he orders the milkshake, to be honest. Um, well, oh, oh, we, oh, George McFly? Yeah, yeah. Give me a milk. Are we talking about George Costanza? I was talking about George Costanza. Oh, okay, we completely crossed our streams there, to be honest. But I mean, that's what happens when when you're friends with someone like Anthony, who is fans a fan of both Back to the Future and Seinfeld. There's too many Georges in your like pantheon of characters that you like. It's true, actually, and uh, I- I'm not going to blame you for assuming I was talking about Back to the Future because <laughs> mo- that is most of what I talk about. But uh, but yeah, um, in fact, actually. People did see on the uh, community post uh, on on the channel. I once went to a fancy dress party as George McFly's chocolate milk. I I didn't actually see that. Oh wait, no, I did see that. You showed it to me. A- an excellent costume idea. Yeah, co- excellent costume idea thrown together by my wife the morning of. Uh, so it wasn't really a, a, a great a great execution on my part. I should have put more <laughs> effort into it. But all all night long, my fr- <laughs> all night long, random other friends would go get me a milk, chocolate, and then I'd run over to them. Yeah, <laughs> and they take a take a long swig of you. Oh, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna expand on that. No more than I already have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it was it, but it was good fun. Mm. Right. Okay. So what we are going to do is we're going to get into this episode. You might have noticed it's actually quite a short episode. Um, now. I'm going to get your opinion on that, Conrad, here before we sort of do all the plugs. What do you think about the fact that randomly we have a half an hour episode in the show? Yeah, I, I don't, un- from a production standpoint, I don't really understand why it happened. Um, I feel like narratively there was room for other stuff maybe in this episode. But I mean, as as the Bard once said, brevity is the soul of wit. So, you know, this is them cutting right to the core. And, and I have actually mm. accused the OA of having stuff in its episodes that it doesn't really need to have like spending too long on certain things so i guess this is them swinging in the other direction i I don't know why though i've never i've never known a tv series to have such wild swings in running times but to be honest for me it worked perfectly because i was so busy this week i was like oh my god when am i gonna get an an hour in to watch the oa and then then you messaged me and said good news it's only half an hour this week yes (laughs) um but yes it's it's kind of crazy yeah, I, I think I think the Mandalorian actually uh, is. People always complain about not having enough of it. Um, I, I think that this show I've talked about before being like a long form film. I kind of feel like when they first wrote the first like draft, 
they just wrote it as like a, a 400 page film or something you mm. know like they didn't actually that's how i feel about it because how else would this come in now there is actually some structure to the episode which we'll get into around the buck character yeah um which i'm interested to hear what you think about that it's not something that i've particularly given deep analysis to to be honest with you but there is definitely something going on in terms of what they're trying to say about that storyline yeah. as well as the main one yeah i suppose um but okay before we get into the uh into the breakdown then could you make sure you subscribe to the culture cave if you haven't already give this video a like uh it really does uh help us on audio apps if you could subscribe subscribe to us there as well those numbers are ticking up so thank you very much uh for the people who are subscribed some people are actually shifting across to there i i notice so if you, if you are doing that that's fantastic if you are doing that as well though if you want to still ask conrad a question or talk to us in general send us an email at adpodmail at gmail.com as well as that we now have a discord server so i'm going to put a link in the description below all the links I've given out so far, Conrad, have expired. But between now and when this goes live, I'll have figured out how to have them go on forever. Yeah. So there will be a link there. Um, there's already been a lot of discussion about Dark. There's been a lot of this, some discussion about the OA, as well as some movie discussion. So go into that Discord server. It's great fun. Uh, all right. Let's get into the breakdown. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, let's break it down! So the episode opens with Buck in his house and they're... Uh, his parents are having an argument. Yes. And it seems, actually, they are going to delve a little bit more into Buck's identity mm. because Buck's father has having trouble revert, like changing his mind about his, his, his uh, son's relationship and is wanting, wanting to call him Michelle still. Yeah, and it, se- it seems like the source of the argument is um, Buck's mother is... Well, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd go so far as to say it is the cause of the argument, but certainly it is what they are arguing about at the moment that we join yeah. it. Um, Buck's mother seem, uh, refers to Buck as Buck, and that seems to incense um, his dad, who continues to refer to him as Michelle. Um, so uh, the the uh, the sense I got from it is that... is. I, I say this as a as a you know a cis white man, but the sense I got from it is that it's kind of exploring an idea that I think a lot of trans people experience, which is that maybe their parents think it's like a phase or something like that that they're going to grow out of, as opposed to mm-hmm. a, a legitimate gender identity, um, which is obviously incredibly hurtful for Buck, who then goes back to to the uh, to the mirror and and kind of starts practicing um, practicing the movements that um, that Prairie has has taught uh, taught them. So two years have passed now. Uh, a lot of time going into this basement, to be honest with you. Um, it's a real, it's a real time sink. This place, but yeah. uh, Renard, yeah. To re- tell you what you want about captivity. It's a real time. Yeah, sink. I mean, uh, they're a captive audience. You, you one, one could say. Also, actually, before we go into this scene, I had a question for you. Um, Buck mm-hmm. cycles past something that the camera focuses on it, and it looks. I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but it looks like a pile of kind of rubbish marked out with road flares. Did did you like clock what that was at that point, or is that something I should have should have paid more attention to? Uh, I don't know if my brain. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't clock anything of importance. Well, I, I think there's there's definitely a fire going on there. I don't know what that's implying. To be honest with you, yeah. I also. Yeah, I th- I think we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Uh, maybe it's maybe they they're. I'm not sure. I'm okay, not sure. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not... I was like. That seems like it's yeah, important, yeah. but I don't really understand the significance of it at this point. Yeah, I'm not going to commit. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to commit to uh, analyzing that at this stage. But um, so Renata uh, has finally uh, Renata's got the fourth movement. Yep, she's involved. Um, she's involved, and so there's a fair bit of information given out in this little bit. So Renata's uh, NDE 
uh, in the NDE, we find out that Renata has a guardian as well. Mm. And the guardian said that one of the side effects of travel could be amnesia. Um, meaning that, you know, when you travel, you'll forget what happened before. Yeah. Which throws a whole load of questions in, uh, in already. Um, they're all practicing the movements. Um, and we also get the re- revelation that the scars on Prairie's back are also on Homer's back, and they're actually certain movements they're scratching into themselves yeah. so that if they get amnesia when they travel, they'll remember them. Yeah, and I, I think we actually join them as Homer, I, I think, is scratching it, another one into himself. That was the impression I got from it. Yeah. Was that he's, he's in the process of marking himself to do this, which is, yeah, that was a theory I had straight out the window there, um, that, that it was something <laughs> to do with angel wings. How, what an idiot I am for, for interpreting the, all this angel talk as literally as all that. Um, yeah. Well, it's a strange one, actually, because obviously they the scars look like angel wings in a way, and it's very symbolic that they are. Yeah. But also, the, so you so it being symbolic is a real, uh, uh, something that came to pass. Yeah. But there's no, but there has been someone with a wing yeah, in the exactly. show. I blame Katoon so... for this. It's her fault, really. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing that, that really stuck out to me was... Um, Prairie describing Renata's guardian and it, the implication being that it's not Katoon, which means you know, mm-hmm. all, by the sounds of things, everyone who's having these NDEs and getting these movements has their own guardian. Um, mm-hmm. who, so I can't wait to see you know who the other people's guardians are and what, what they look like. Um, and interesting that I believe no, it's in the next scene where we find out about Rachel actually. Um, but um, yeah, the, we, we sort of cut back from this um, the scene with the, the the guys in captivity to Prairie talking about kind of expanding on this multiverse theory and like worlds on top of worlds um, and the movement allowing you to travel between them. Um, it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big info dump. This this um, this yeah. scene, to be honest. Yeah, huge forking paths, each with uh, coming from each possibility. Yeah. Um, not not we find out later. Um, through Hap and Leon talking, it's not quite the multiverse theory. No. It's not really that. It's it's more of like everything starts at one point and branches off as it goes, yeah. um, creating these different uh, realities that are layered on top of each other. Yeah. And through the movements, you can trans transport between. But the NDEs are actually allowing them to do it temporarily. Mm. Um, um, she's interesting. Never done it as the well. I. She's hmm? never done it as well. That's the big yeah, revelation so she, for me. Yeah. Which I, when she said that, I was like, I would not have blamed a few people in this room for like being kind of a little bit annoyed at that. It's like, I feel like you've led us down the garden path a little bit here, Prairie. Like you got us, in, it got us invested in the story, uh, only to reveal to us that you've never actually done this thing that you're preparing us to do. It did actually feel like uh, French was a little annoyed by. Yeah, it. I think French was annoyed by it. He kind of makes a face, and it's like, yeah, fair enough, French. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, like she literally never done this. Uh, there is a moment which I'm I'm not going to unpack this. I said I'm not going to go into the full analysis of the Buck stuff in this episode because I think um, I'm not necessarily qualified for it. But also, um, you know, I'll leave that to the fans. But basically, I think uh, that there's something being said about the the, the idea of Buck being um, transgender and the idea, like, so Buck asks to touch Prairie's scars. Mm. And the idea that when they, they they're almost going to transition to another reality, and the scars are there to remind them of what they where they came from and what they have to do. So the idea of someone someone like Buck who maybe in the future will go through a physical transition, uh, and the idea that, that that he will have scars that will remind him of his past life. Mm. Uh, I think there's something being said there. Now I'm not going to go 
huge, hugely, like really deeply into that. But I think there is something being said there. Yeah, I, I think it's certainly telling that Buck is the one that this episode focuses on when mm-hmm. when they really begin to expand on this idea of physical scars and uh, pursuing a different version of oneself, or I guess uh, to to uh, for like in a in a more in a way that's probably truer to Buck, like a more re- a more realistic and truthful version of oneself, albeit not maybe not the one yeah. that you have in this world. So yeah, I think it's I think there's definitely something being said there. Yeah, um, interesting. Uh, okay, so there's also a line which is has become very popular as sort of a a memorable line from in the fandom, and that was Prairie describing going into another like going and sort of tra- traveling to another dimension i suppose uh is like jumping into an invisible current yeah um and then like so there's even like someone's even made like there's like a oa fan series which is like on part four or something where they make little short films oh, okay called, i think it's called called the invisible river yeah um but basically she also says that you need all five movements to travel and you need to do them with perfect feeling mm. um that was an interesting line as well. What do you what do you think she means by perfect feeling? Um, well, I think the the movements themselves, as they're delivered, are very um, emotion filled. They're, they're very emphatic. Um, so I think it's it's potentially like the the emotion that you put into the movements, and potentially also a state of mind um, as well, uh, which gives me some hope that the revelation we receive after this, which is that Hap is also learning the the um, learning the movements. It gives me some hope that he won't be able to achieve whatever they're able to to achieve because he hasn't experienced these things himself and therefore can't mm. can't associate the correct emotion with them. So I think I think the emotion um, or correct feeling is something that they are also bringing back with them from their NDEs, even if they're not sort of explicitly aware of what that is at this point. Okay, interesting, uh, interesting. Also, uh, we do get a uh, a line and a shot of Hap. Where it says every movement, the movement they received, the angel hunter received them too, yeah. and then it goes in, and actually, it seems like he was telling the truth to the police officer that he actually does listen to this music to relax. Yeah, apparently, yeah. because he was listening, he's listening to it again, and it's going absolutely mad. Most incongruous like, music choice I've ever seen for someone doing these. I, I suppose it's not really yoga, yogic movements. It's a bit more kind of aggressive than that, but it certainly seems weird to be listening to like thrash metal while doing these sort of celestial movements. Did he have his earphones in while? No, he was I don't think he did this time. And we'll come back to Hat being caught out by his grubby little earphones later in this episode. Don't <laughs> worry about that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's um, it's interesting the the way Hap is presented now in the last episode and in this one with this very clear separation between him and the the prisoners. Um, you know, he and he wants to be a part of what they're doing, but they've kind of taken over his experiment at this point. Um, and are turning turning it against him. Um, it's it's really fascinating to see the sort of shift in the in the the, the power dynamic. Yeah, you, you almost get the sense that if Hap could wish away what he'd done, but still be in the same position where he had these people who could do this, and he and he could almost be part of the club in a consensual way, he would actually wish that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at this yeah, stage. yeah. I think I think he's. I think that's absolutely what he wishes had happened. I I, I think um, it's probably the first time. Even, I, I don't think we've necessarily seen him be out, outwardly contrite, but I think it's inwardly I get the sense that it's the first time his character has reflected upon the fact that he could have achieved this in a different way um, and didn't mm-hmm. need to do the monstrous things that he's done uh, to, to get where he is um, and maybe you know start, is starting to question himself as a result. 
Yeah. Okay, so um, another year passes since Renata returned with the fourth movement. The time is flying uh, so by. <laughs> that's 30, a 30 minute episode, and we've already had three yeah, years Three years have passed. So... It's ridiculous. <laughs> so it's a year since she got the fourth movement, uh, and Rachel. Now, the way Prairie says this could be misleading, I suppose. Mm. She's saying it in present day, i.e. 2016, but she says Rachel was never given a movement. Yeah. Do you take that to mean up until that point in the story, or do you take that to mean from 2016 in the past, she was never given one? Mm, that's a good point. Um, I I think Prairie must know the fifth movement by this point, because otherwise what's she doing gathering this group of this group of people together in the present. So mm-hmm. I I take it to mean there is going to be something that happens between Prairie escaping this captivity or her situation changing and present day where she learns the fifth movement somehow. Um, and it, I think it's just going to be the case that Rachel is not the one who is given it because um, her guardian doesn't want her, doesn't want Hap to, to get the movement and, you know, breach the, breach the veil between worlds, so to speak. Okay, interesting. Um, all right, so and actually that brings into a question, maybe a bigger theory question for the end of season one, mm-hmm. possibly, uh, or the end of season. Well, it could be then season two. It depends which how big you want to view this theory as. But you saying that that these guardians don't want Hap to get that get the 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 movements. Are you going to make some sort of overarching theory now about whether or not Hap will ever travel in the show? That's, I, yeah, I have thought about it. I don't. I feel like he, because it's it's his it's his heart it's his most heartfelt desire is to travel at this point, it, mm. and I feel like for him to achieve it, were, given given it's so rare and so difficult to achieve, and that the 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 kind of theme that they're hitting on at the moment is that he wants the end result without doing any of the work. The work in this case being experiencing the NDEs, like going through the pain of death and rebirth. I feel like his character is going to have to go through some pretty significant changes to get there. You know, he's going to have to sacrifice a lot to to achieve that. So I, I, I think he will, but I don't think it's going to be soon. If it is, I think it's maybe a like end of season two kind of thing if it ever happens. Okay, all right. Well, obviously, we're not going to con- commit you to a theory there uh, until you nail down an actual narrow one yeah we know how vague theories well i mean I, I thought Clary uh, was getting was going to get like recaptured in this season and it would be about the boys going to going on a road trip and painting up a gym with bba's money to save her but we've got two episodes left of this season so i don't know i don't know where that's uh where that's fitting into this narrative at the moment okay awesome uh all right so um well, a little point before we go to the leon stuff um a little point that i noticed was that like what do you think about hap cutting all their fingernails Oh, I didn't notice that. Does, so is he is he actually trimming their fingernails like as a kind of in a in a sort of Yeah, like while they're under the the gas I assumed it was or maybe I just missed oh, that, he's, that little okay, detail. Oh, he's Okay, so uh, well, my He's having to keep them, you know. I didn't notice that to be honest, but my interpretation it's, of that is yeah. that it might initially seem like it's a kind of uh, a gentle kind of grooming um thing, but actually realistically it's probably to make it more difficult for them to mark themselves because I assume that's how they're cutting themselves is with their fingernails. Could be, I think, but I think there is also something to the grooming aspect of it too, because we go from that like sort of little montagey scene thing where he's cutting their fingernails. Mm. Uh, it shows him doing that into his his conversation with Leon. So it's sort of it, 
the 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 dichotomy between his him and Leon's view towards their subjects yeah. uh, is really highlighted <clears throat> by the fact that Hap's going to that length to sort of keep them groomed. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. Whereas, okay, so we meet Leon. Uh, I, what's your, what's your uh, impression? Guys, say this is classic heel versus heel booking here. Like you, like you've got to turn one of them face. You've got to turn one of them face, and the way you do that is you have an even bigger dickhead that you introduce in the series. So it's, this is this is our Triple H turning face moment here because we're introduced to Randy Orton or whatever, uh, which is Leon in this situation. Um, it's it's an interesting. I, I really liked this scene. Um, I think I. I it, need, it needed to get me back on board actually after it started because there's some clumsy writing in the beginning where they're walking through the hospital and it's like okay two scientist friends let's figure it out and then and Leon says mm-hmm. um, I told you the same thing when you were my trainee in residency and lost your first patient which yeah. is just like okay here's, here comes Captain Exposition here to you know like, yeah, yeah. give us all the backstory like why are you telling Hat this Hat knows this he was there with you like you're just saying this for my benefit <laughs> Um, so the, the the writing starts off a bit clumsily, but then I really like the way the characterization goes from there. So you've got these two guys who are, it's almost like a boys night out. You know, they're like, they're, they're, it looks like they're kind of filling baguettes with like chips or, you know, crisps and, and, and drinking <laughs> yeah. beer over, over what looks, I mean, there's a morgue next door. So presumably this is an operating table for cadavers, you know, like where, where they would yeah, uh, yeah. perform um, autopsies. It's the abandoned, abandoned morgue. Yeah. So it's like it. this incredibly grim setting and they're like drinking beer and discussing their, their experiments. And Leon, um, there's this kind of underlying tension between them and this this sense of co- like kind of friendly professional competition which obviously becomes less friendly as the scene goes on um but it, but it's a classic way of i don't know if it i don't know if i want to say it reframes hap's character but it's i feel like it's the show saying like look how much of a bastard he could be like this guy kills his his yeah. patients after i don't i don't know if he actually says how long he he keeps them well, frequently anyway yeah like he, yeah. he you know he just kills them because he do, because he doesn't want to get attached to them which is like that's that's like i don't want to get into like, like grading monstrous acts but that's that's like really up there in terms of like industrialized uh murder mm-hmm. in scientific experiments to be like yep i don't want to form any human attachment to these guys so i kill them after six months or whatever and get new ones um yeah and i think um yeah, it's 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 a it's a great way of showing us another side of Hap's character, or, or not necessarily another side, but but reaffirming this side of Hap's character we've seen, where he he is capable of kind of doing things to make himself feel better about himself, even if at his core he is still doing the same, effectively the same thing that Leon is doing. Yeah, yeah, I, f- I find that really uh, heinous as well. <laughs> like, I think you're exactly right about the heel versus heel book. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, I I got the impression that although August died, I did get the impression that that was an accident due to the experiment. Yeah, I don't think Hap has ever killed someone because he wants. Oh, he kills them all the time. You know what I mean? But he hasn't. He's never actually killed someone for good because he wanted to. No. Whereas this guy is just like. I turn over potassium chloride and into the incinerator. Yeah. Absolute just like, monster. And, and you know, there's stuff like uh, there's a line. I, I I believe it's a quote from someone. I'm not sure what, what who it is he's quoting. But there's no line between good and evil. Only what a man can stand, which is one of the most troubling depictions of morality I've ever heard from a scientist. Because it's just you know, essentially humanity makes its own sense of morality by what each individual is able to put up with. Which in Leon's case seems to be some pretty some pretty depraved stuff 
Yeah, and like Leon also gave advice to Hap along those same lines where he said, discover what you can, destroy the evidence, and turn a profit before you can no longer forget what you've done. Yeah, yeah. And and it really like was it was like, that's... it. If you're doing this and and his his motivation is just money, yeah exactly like that's like, the really that's that's the worst part about it is it's, it's not even just like it's not even just that that he's doing it it's that his his motivation for doing it is financial gain it's like you're not even yeah. like the, the idea and, and and it's also kind of shows his short sightedness as well like the idea that you would discover the afterlife or prove the existence of the afterlife and then you'd be like cha-ching cha-ching like do you like do you understand how seismic that change is that you've just discovered he's like i'm gonna write myself a book about how i discovered the after (laughs) afterlife like say it's just the most narrow-minded individual but fortunately he doesn't stick around for long yeah exactly but and uh before we get into him not sticking around for long i love the segue but i am not i'm not gonna go there yet um I absolutely. Gonna, this was me. That, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm carry it away. This was me doing the old, the old volleyball. Like as I bumped it up for you. Yeah. I can't remember what that's called in volleyball, but I was waiting for you to spike it. Spike, and you, you've just oh, spike is what you do after. Yeah, yeah. you've just rejected it. Yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm gonna parry it away, right. and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna say, because uh, there was a lovely little bit of Copernicus talk, um, and I'm not talking about the dog from. Uh, Back to the Future. I'm talking about uh, the uh, the scientist himself. So Hap says, um, or philosopher, I should say, uh, that he realizes their work. So, so you talking about like the the monetary gain, but Hap definitely thinks about his work as a paradigm shift. He says, yeah. um, and and he says, but he always wonders: Would Copernicus have continued his work uh, to show that the Earth is not the center of the solar system if it meant experimenting on human beings? Mm. Um, interesting question. Uh, probably the answer is, yeah. I, I think. I mean, there's, we can't the, assume Copernicus was a psychopath. I, I, well, I mean, I think the 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 reality of that question is that human history is littered with people who experimented on human beings to, uh, you know, achieve some kind of advancement. It, like the idea of, I, I don't want to say this with authority actually, because I'm not, I'm not an authority. But my understanding of it is that the idea of morality being introduced into science is a relatively recent thing. Like you know, we're talking last couple of hundred years. Um, but um, I, I mean, yeah, it is, it's an interesting, it's an interesting ethical question. You know, to what, what cost are you prepared to pay to advance? you know, the, the the course of human history. Yeah, and also, but we're also talking about direct human life costs. Yeah. Whereas I would say most scientific, uh, huge like scientific discoveries or the scientific advancements do actually have people die as a result of them. You know, you just look at like all the energy, all the energy advancements in the world. How many people have died of like, you know, fossil fuels and, and everything like that, you know, I think that it is it is a case where most scientific advancement, ha- or you know, in that, that those scales anyway, has some sort of cost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it always has to be weighed weighed up. Uh, okay, so um, we're going to move into now. Uh, we're not going to mention everything because obviously Hap's just repeating a lot of what Perry's already already told us. But Hap reveals to Leon um, about uh, the idea of these forking paths and multiple realities, and talks. About even talks about the technology of movement, yeah. uh, which I thought was a nice way to put it, um, that allows them to travel or, and stay in other dimensions. Um, and also Hap says he knows where they go, which is we'll come back to later yeah. on. Um, he And Hap says he couldn't care less about money. And I, I want to actually talk about something here which I've always had in my mind, right? Have you noticed, have you ever noticed this, that in America, now maybe, maybe some people over here do it too because of American influence, 
But do you notice how over here, like in this part of the world, we would say, I couldn't care less. Yeah, it's a bug bag. But it's in America, they say, I could care yeah. less. And that always annoys I mean, me. Listen, language is organic. It's changing all the time. I'm not going to prescribe to anyone how they should talk, but could care less never really makes sense to me because the whole point is that you can't, you, you physically couldn't care less than you do, which means you care yeah. a, a, a zero amount. Um, but uh, yeah, that's such is language. Well, actually, it, it goes further than that, Conrad, because they not only say in America, I could care less, but they also use the other way around for things like so if i was gonna like if i was gonna try and jump over a uh i don't know a, hur- a hurdle right yeah i would say do. i'll see if i can do it yeah but in america they say i'll see if i can't do it well that's i mean that's that that raises all kinds of questions about the mentality of the per- of the person doing it that's like the sort of prove me wrong yeah typical Amer- american attitude that like let's see if i can't do this and they like but they know they can <laughs> yeah yeah uh but that like that's that is, is a bugbear of mine yeah. as well it's always annoyed me every time i see it in a tv show or film i'm just i'm screaming at the screen saying you couldn't care less if you could what do you mean you could care less get out of here but anyway, anyway <laughs> that's what it is haps haps says that he says he could care less about uh making a profit yeah uh, which for me and my uh uk and ireland is <laughs> Tells me that he actually does want to make a profit. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I believe him though. To be fair, when he says he, when when he says he could care less, meaning he couldn't care less, I believe that that's the yeah. case for for Hap. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. got his mind. Deep, he doesn't need anything else. Yeah, we're doing deep analysis. Yeah. We we understand what those words. Welcome to the language. Uh, but ba- yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so um, Leon just casually is like, "Hey, uh, go and have a look in that other room. Go and look in number <laughs> number number twenty there." Uh, he goes go and open the cold chamber and like he's so cool about it he's eating his he's eating a crisp sandwich or whatever he's yeah. got uh and then pap goes in and the purple liquid's there that's one thing that's interesting um it must it must stop the smell of a dead body or something yeah it's going it's going to be like formaldehyde or something i'm i'm not sure like yeah. i'm not, i don't know enough about preserving bodies and you can't prove different internet um but <laughs> but uh, yeah I, i'm assuming it's like do they still use formaldehyde i don't know what that does really i just know of it as like a thing to do with bodies but uh well i know well, one thing i know is that uh diet soft drinks cause formaldehyde to be in the brain that's why i stopped drinking them. oh okay maybe i should stop drinking them i mean there's other reasons as well to be honest <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right okay anyway um so uh Basically, Leon then comes in with a little gun, yeah. does the old clout, the gat in, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's he's got the he's got the gun, and uh, he he's he's gonna shoot him dead, but he doesn't get a chance. Hap actually fights him off and eventually kills him. Yeah, I, so I, I question the the sense in this plan. You know, like they've said, it's like you know an abandoned morgue in a hospital, but I mean, presumably people are still close enough to hear a gunshot. Like gunshots aren't. Cl- he must. He must have some uh, soundproofing. Yeah, I guess so. And um, but there's there's one thing that happens in this scene that really annoyed me, which is that to me, to my eyes, Hap got shot in one of his ears with the first shot. So he kind of goes like that and like grabs grabs the side of his head. The next scene, there was no there was no wound in either of those ears. And I and, and the reason it annoyed me is because as soon as it happened, I wrote down, "Oh no, Hap's ears won't be able to take his disgusting sticky earphones now that he's been shot." Um, <laughs> But apparently he can. Apparently he can still. So we've been robbed of that joke. You can blame the writers of this maybe, show, listeners. For maybe, maybe throughout the scientific uh, investigation into his ears and the saliva in people's ears, maybe his saliva is actually like has a healing property. Yeah. And when he sucks, he sucks it and puts it in his ear. 
it actually causes it able to be regenerated. Yeah, or it's like bulletproof. It's like uh, it forms like a kind of hard <laughs> yeah. crust on on his ear that that is capable of deflecting all but the all but the strongest of of, of forces. Um, but either way, yeah, I think pres- I think that's probably yeah, it. that sounds right. Um, but either way, he drowns Leon in formaldehyde. So, <laughs> bye, Leon. Yeah, he drowns him. Gone but not forgotten. Bye. Yeah, formaldehyde in the brain for you, yeah. Leon. Uh, <laughs> but basically, yeah. Basically, uh, what do you think about um, Hap's disguise? Oh my god! On the, on the way, I as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Hap disguise." I've got this down, and you can check the tape, listeners. This is in my notes right now. Hap's disguise as he leaves the hospital is some weekend at Bernie shit because, like, he looks like a corpse that is being operated by someone else. Like this scarf around his mouth to hide the fact that his jaw is broken, and like sunglasses on askew as he like walks out the hospital. It's I thought he was going to be like like little like two children. Like, yeah, like two, yeah, it could coat, also you know? be two children in a trench coat. Like it, like he he does not look like a real human being in this disguise, and he's also just it's it's odd that I guess it's not odd. I, I like I'm still trying to like kind of get my head around him telling the nurse or or, or uh, the, mm. the, the the hospital employee um, that like to go and help the people in in the um, in the morgue because I don't know to to be able to do that. And then go back to experimenting yourself. I feel like that's a that feels like a bit of a road to Damascus moment for me. Like there's no real turning back for from that moment. It, like once you're once you've so actively confronted the fact that you di- you morally disagree with someone else's experiment when it's so close to what you're mm. doing. I'll, I'll I'll be interested to see where he goes from here. But I feel like if he just goes straight back into his experiments, that might bring a bit hollow to me. Well, I think I think we did see him talking to Prairie, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. That's and true. basically saying, "Come away with me." Um, and uh, that that was maybe him him confronting those things. But then once she said no, he was like, "That, that like maybe that's enough to get him back into the mode." You know what yeah. I mean? Like because yeah, maybe. I think he very much was going to leave. Like if she said yes, he was going to leave. I don't know what he would have done with the rest of them. Um, don't know. Probably nothing good. Uh, probably nothing good. Like let's let's yeah. be honest. Um, sent sent Homer back to Cuba and just be like, I don't know, hang out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so but he takes Prairie, offers her that she says no. Uh, you know, good honor. Um, and then, but she actually Prairie is uh actually second guessing that later on when she she says I could have got you released. I could have went with him and got you released. Um, it's also interesting, Haps. I don't believe Hap when he says that his plan would have been to go and uh, heal the rich and famous because we already know that he's, he's not he's not in it for money. Yeah. So I think he probably was just like saying he could he wanted to go and reset up somewhere else just in case they find him, but he wanted to take Prairie because he doesn't want to lose her. Yeah, I think I don't I don't believe that he suddenly turned into this kind of like rampant capitalist overnight. He just wants he knows he needs to leave. And he he wants to take Prairie with him, as as you say. Um, yeah. And I also think <clears throat> we see. Um, a bit of Hap's egotism um, in this 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 scene with Prairie, when he has like the gall to tell Prairie that he knows what she wants, um, as if he as if he is at all familiar with her. Um, it's it's a really really distasteful bit of dialogue, which I like. I don't I don't want to give the impression I I don't like distasteful dialogue. I felt like it was perfect coming from him, um, but it's really yeah really like captured that kind of slimy. Um, kind of insidious authoritative authoritative streak he has in him where he's like i know what you want i know what's best for for all of you even if you might not appreciate it at the moment um and 
and uh, yeah, and, and also this is the scene where we see his ear isn't shot, which I was disappointed about, to say the least. Well, it's, you either be disappointed or you just be very happy that his uh, regenerative uh, <laughs> regenerative uh, <laughs> procedures are going well yeah. with the saliva. We also we do get the uh, the the horrible uh, gel sounds in this as well with Prairie like gelling her own her own hair up, which I like honestly never moved like, past that's. It. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I understand the whole idea of the setup of the experiment. Like, I understand the whole, the, the setup, and, you know, and like, how businesslike it was and how she was just like, you know, I'm here to do my work just like you yeah. are. I really liked it. But the idea of having to put gel on your head to help the thing go over easier, I'm just looking at that fabric and I'm thinking, that's the same stuff wetsuits are made out of. Like, that's going to go over. Yeah. Like, you don't need to you know, do this. It's It's... There's something fetishistic about that gel, as far as I'm concerned. Stop rubbing your saliva. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's getting her to do it herself yeah, at this point. Disgusting. Not a fan. Like, how does putting it in their ears have anything to do with having well, it go over them? Yeah, I, I saw someone say in the comments a couple of weeks ago that the thing that killed Scott might be like microphones to to kind of um, pick up what they're what they're hearing in their NDEs, oh, yeah, that, um, yeah, which okay. which makes sense. But yeah, the gel to me is just needless uh needless sexuality in this like, let, me, let me just rub some gel on you <laughs> and <I'm> like <laughs> yeah 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 like we want it to go over your head so it's got, it's got to go in yeah, those yeah. ears it's got to be in the inside the ear is where the wetsuit touches yeah, the most disgusting, uh man. really strange happy ha- i tell you what you know say one thing about his experiments this saliva business is really yeah. strange. this is this is when say. when the when the fbi catch him and put the case together this will be this will be the first point in court with a bullet just like Look at this weird shit he was doing with gel with it. And like, if, if nothing else proves that this man was in this purely for 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 sexual arousal and his own gain, look at these recordings of him I rubbing love- gel all over these poor people's ears. Yeah, I lo- I love the idea of like of him sitting in a coffee shop or something, and the reason why the FBI comes and gets onto him is because someone sees him sucking his ear. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be him, officer. No one else yeah, in the known universe does that with their ears. <laughs> yeah, there's something going on. Uh, all right, okay. Um, so Prairie um, is getting into the machine. She's very businesslike, yeah. as I say. It's really interesting as well. Whenever she is finally put and starts to drown, like she's real. Like her heartbeat doesn't budge yeah. for a very long she's time. Like super she's calm. very bu- She's super calm until it, obviously when you start to actually drown, it's going to speed up. Yeah. Um, but basically um that happens i also think there's a few bits of uh, visual imagery going on um i'm sure you know visual imagery it's just imagery isn't it <laughs> uh so basically <laughs> when she's sitting in the in the uh, machine from the back it very much looked like angel wings mm-hmm. before it closed over her also uh, as we go out uh we've been talking about the the shape of uh, of this little lab area he's got going on yeah. um as it went out and the lights all around were dark and and she was in the middle of it it looked to me like an eye um, so maybe it's to symbolise that he's like they're seeing into their NDEs, you know? Yeah, what I, mean? I, I think um, it, it's it, if, if nothing else, it's just a really good bit of set design for framing um, because it draws the eye inwards to the to the subject at the centre of it yeah. with this like kind of like this. Oh, well, I guess it's, it's cylindrical, but it's like kind of hexagonal because it's got straight edges, but it's um, or yeah. octagonal or whatever. But it's it, it's. Um, you know, there's negative space around them that draws the eye inwards, and I, I think there probably is something to mm-hmm. that as you know a visual metaphor for you know looking beyond through through this sort of mechanical eye. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so um, she gets drowned. She goes into the starry room. 
uh, where she yeah. usually meets Katoon, but Katoon is not there. Mm. And it's all a bit chaotic. Um, so basically, when she comes out of it again, Hap takes her into a room and says, did you hear a sound there? And he plays her a few sounds and he plays her the sound. He plays a particular sound and she says, yeah, that's it. You know, take me back to my cell. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, okay, so you recorded my NDE, whatever. But it actually wasn't a recording of his NDE. It was a recording of sound waves. Uh, sorry, it's waves of electrons captured in plasma in the rings of Saturn. Yeah, which I hope is real. I don't know enough about about um, astrology to, to, to know whether... Um, astrology? Astronomy. I always get them mixed up. Which one's the one that's not bullshit? Uh, astronomy. Astronomy's the one that's not bullshit, right? That's right. He heard the the sound of Pisces calling out across space. Um, yeah, yeah, so I I don't know you you, you are that star symbol. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I um I don't know enough about astronomy to know whether this is actually true. And there are like recordings of sounds from from the rings of Saturn. But if if that is true, that's really fucking cool. Um, I would also like to point out that when um when Prairie first went to Katoon's Baba Yaga hut. Um, mm-hmm. I said, and you can check the tape on this again, listeners, that it reminded me a lot of Nessus in Destiny 2. And, and Nessus is a centaur very close to Saturn. Um, so when he said, this is a recording of the rings of Saturn, I was like, motherfucker. All right. I, well, oh. well <laughs> so I'm, I was... I, I was going back through the theory matrix. I'm not going to give away what I gave myself for that one, but I, I had to spend a, a long time soul searching on on how I thought I was going to score myself for that one. Is all I'll say for now. That is interesting to me because it almost is as, is as if now I'm convinced of this really, but it's almost as if the 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 inspiration for that part of this show and for that part of the sh- the game Destiny Two came from the same place. Yeah, I, I, you know I, what I mean? So, I can't... I have to believe they did because literally the colours are the same, the kind of mossy, bluish rocks with really bright green, they're literally the same. So I, I don't know what the source for that is. I'd be really interested to find out whether there was a, a shared source, but they must they must be. Or or maybe there is some kind of theory about what the surface of... Um, of like the 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 asteroids in the in the rings of Saturn. Well, I guess it can't be the asteroids because they don't, none of them have atmosphere. So it must be. But Saturn's mm. a gas giant, right? I actually can't remember if Saturn's a gas giant. I think it is. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. So it must be like the bigger. All the four outer planets are gas giants. Yeah. So it must be like the um, it must be like the bigger asteroids or something within within the ring itself. Um, and there there must be I don't know some kind of theory about them having atmosphere or something but either way yeah they definitely have a shared aesthetic um that must be pulled from somewhere must be yeah that's what i think as well uh okay so um so actually what do you think about that in terms of do you think she actually was physically there like hap saying like what do you think of that um yeah it's difficult that is difficult because i think the, the way prairie is talking about it in the present day with this idea of like kind of this current whipping you to a world that sits on top of your own world but is slightly different makes me think that it's unlikely that NDEs are just taking you to a different place within the same world. They must be taking you to another kind of another timeline. But I guess it's possible that, you know, the 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 I don't want to say timeline because I don't want to confuse the terminology too much here, but taking you to another world, I guess it's possible that she's being taken to another world which in which humanity is on Saturn or something bizarre like that um mm-hmm. or has colonized the rings of Saturn or something like that so 
I think she probably was there, but I don't think it's going to be a case of like, oh, she could jump in a rocket and fly for three years or whatever and get turn up at the Rings of Saturn and Katoon's just there on like a telescope being like, hello! <laughs> like, I think I think there's a bit probably a bit more to it than that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Like, I, my mind went, to be honest with you, my mind went to something like, uh, when I first saw it, it was like, okay, so if there's forking paths from all the realities, maybe the reality in which she was in with Katoon on Saturn is like is like a reality where the formation of the planets was slightly different. Yeah, totally, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, I, I think it's got to be something like that. I, I, I can't. I don't think that Katoon has Wallace and Gromit, Gromit a grand day out did this, and she, they've just she's like visited Saturn to find some cheese, and then she's gonna fly back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, how did her dad get there? That's what I want. Yeah. Um <laughs> Just hanging out. He he just swam through space. Yeah. The humans have like gills that work in space in that reality. So they just, you know, jump. If you jump high enough off the planet, you can just swim out of out of the gravitational pull. Well, in that reality. Yeah. In that reality. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, yeah. So there we go. That sort of one or two things left in this episode, I suppose. Well, first thing is, is that. Um, uh, Homer sort of has to talk Prairie around because she almost wants to give up. Mm. And Homer does, does a lovely story, and it made me really... I'm falling in love with Homer, to be honest with you. Yeah. He had this lovely story where he was talking about the fact they're going to have a garden and they're going to plant vegetables. And, and Owe was like... Uh, I don't want. I don't want to plant vegetables. I, I love. I love that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. I just love that. First of yeah, all, she's it's like so, whatever she's so says, literal. Like, like she doesn't yeah, under, yes, does yeah. not understand the metaphor that Homer is delivering at all here. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you know. No, I, was, I don't play. I want to play video games. I don't want to plant garden. You know, but I, I just love that. Like even in this dream, in this dream state of looking forward to the future, she's like, no. Yeah. Uh, but um, so basically, Homer's like, well, you're right. Like we're we're really bad at it, so we fail, and then we'll try again. Yeah. We fail, and we'll try again. It was like a real obvious metaphor, obviously, and eventually won around. And I just thought, Homer, you charmer, you. Yeah. Also, um. I thought it was interesting. Homer does actually seem to know a lot about gardening. He does. Yeah, he he, he kind of understood... Well, I guess because he was doing it and failing for so long. You know, he did it once. It didn't work because they were too close together. <laughs> then he spread them out, but then mites got them. And then he put those weird other plants in between them to get keep the mites away. And, and, it, and it worked. So, you know, he, he's, he's, he, you know, he's learned through trial and error, which I think is, is you know, the, the way you learn anything. Yeah, like... Uh, or maybe yeah, he's just exactly. a keen, he's a keen botanist all this. now. Yeah, exactly. I think it was nettles he put I think in the it middle. Might have been nettles, uh, he knows so much. Like, uh, but anyway, that, so it was nice to see uh, OA getting back on side and you know not not sort of giving up, um, which is which is nice. It was interesting that in this episode there was a little bit of that, like her saying, like you know, she was questioning herself, saying I should I should have um, I I should have went with him and got used free, and then here she's sort of in, almost to the point where she's like, oh, it's not going to work. We're not going to get the fifth movement or something. Mm. It's 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 the first time that her her sort of conviction has been sh- shaken. Yeah. It's interesting too because in the present day in 2016, her, her conviction is there again. Yeah. So she, it's just a little wobble, you know. Yeah, I, I think um, I think her having it and not her having an NDE, not finding Katoon, um, combined with the fact that for two years they've been trying to get the fifth movement and failing because Rachel has has never been given it, probably gives her a sense of <clears throat> abandonment, like. You know, she's at the end of her kind of tether at this point and thinks, well, we're never going to get it. Katoon has effectively abandoned me here because Katoon doesn't want me to have the fifth movement. So, you know, what what's left for us to do? I think that's probably how she's feeling, which makes me think that, that there mm-hmm. is going to be a development at some point in the next two episodes that reaffirms her 
her commitment to the plan. Okay, interesting. Um, so two more things. First thing is, police officer comes in and finds Hap in the act. Mm, yeah, Hap just not... He doesn't seem to have his, his head screwed on straight. He has left his front door open while he's listening to the Rings of Saturn. I think he's listening to the Rings of Saturn sounds. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and just surveying his... Um, surveying his captives um and yeah the guy just walks up behind him and points a gun at him i i think i don't like playing backseat um script writer or showrunner but if i were doing if i were writing this show i would have him kill this cop in the next episode um because we you establish sympathy for the cop through you know he's got a sick wife and you establish that hap has some sympathy for the cop as well um, then you have the inciting incident of Hap's own arc, if you like, where he has to kill Leon because Leon pulls a gun on him. And now Hap has basically a choice to make. He can go one of two ways. He can either turn himself in willingly, give it all up, accept that he was wrong and accept the punishment for it. Or he can double down on, on what he's done and um, and kill the cop or, or, or take the cop prisoner, I guess. But I think he, I think he'll probably kill the cop. Um, and I think that's going to be where he goes in the next episode. I think, I, I don't see them redeeming Hap. I think he's going to double down on being a shit. Okay. Very interesting. Um, all right. So last thing is just a little note in the Buck uh, storyline of this episode is at the very end, Buck's dad realizes that the door has been left open, goes out, is calling Michelle. Michelle finally then says, Buck. Yeah, and then closes the door, which I still don't really understand the significance of Prairie telling them all those episodes back to leave the door open um, when they when they come to come to congregate in the abandoned house. Um, but that that seems like maybe that's a that's that's symbolising that Buck is going to be closed off from the rest of this group somehow. Um, that's that was my interpretation of that. That could prove to be entirely wrong though. Okay, interesting. Do you want to get into the round? Yep, let's do it. IMDb rating, 8.2. I I think it's hard with this one because it's so short that it's almost like it's hard to judge it against (laughs) the others. I, I think... There was there wasn't a bad scene in this one, but again, you know, there was a lot less scenes. I think this mm-hmm. I think this is probably the best episode so far, though, in terms of kind of pound for pound what you got out of it. So I'd probably say it's in the mid eights, maybe like an eight point five or something. Yeah, last one was eight. Last one was eight point five, and you agreed with it. So yeah, so it, I I think I found with this, it's definitely growing up as you go as you go through it. You're enjoying each more, one a little bit more than the last, yeah. which is good. Because it means hopefully that when we get to the end of the seasons, it'll uh, it'll give you that big can't wait for the next season feel. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, right. Do you have anything in general? Uh, what what theories do you have coming out of this one? I, I'm sure you've mentioned a couple there. Did you put any theories in the Matrix for this? I'm just trying to remember if I did. So hold on. What do we what do we do? One point six. So yeah. So the, I mean, I suppose the big one is that all these characters are getting their own version of Katoon, which um, I can't wait to... I say their own version of Katoon, their own Guardian. Um, So I can't wait to see that. I guess the minor ones are, I think that cop's dying in the next episode or uh, the next time we see Hap in in any meaningful way. I've been burned by that before. It could be that that we just don't see Hap next episode. Um, I think that... So is that... Are you being being very, like, insular with that uh, theory? You're saying the cop will die next episode? Yeah, I think... I think... I think... 
Hap is going to be arrested. The guy's going to try and arrest Hap. There's going to be a struggle. I think the cop is going to die as a result of the struggle, and possibly that's going to that's going to prompt some something which will let the others escape or let let Prairie escape or something like that. But what does the theory say? Are you being that detailed in the theory? Uh, I haven't actually written it down yet because I I I, okay. I haven't put it in the Matrix, but I think I probably will. <laughs> It'll make it. I know I've been burned by making super hyper <laughs> hyper specific theories before. Maybe I'll just say the cop is dying in the next episode. <laughs> well, you've also made a st- you've also made theories like that before as well. That's true. Yeah, but uh, I I okay, just that's, I, that's, I, that's, I, that's a big one for the. Next you've one. got like a, a kindly sheriff with a sick wife who is friends with a, a man who is secretly a monster. There's no way that cop makes it alive to the end of the show. I've seen enough movies to know which way that relationship's going. <laughs> Okay, uh, one more question then before we get into the uh, the comment qu- the, the the questions from YouTube comments yep. uh, is this question here: Where do you see with two episodes to go? Where do you see the end of this season? Like, what do you think is going to happen at the end of the season? Like, what's the closing moments? I I think Prairie. I stand I stand by it. I think Prairie is getting abducted again. I think the boys have got to be. So who who we've got? French BBA, Buck, Steve, and Jesse. Jesse, yeah. yeah. So you've got the five there, the five for the five movements. So one at the prairie is kind of surplus to requirements, narratively speaking, in that group. So I, I think, I think a prairie is getting abducted in some way, or she's getting take put in a dangerous situation, and and the boys are going to have to be like, right, we need to take what we've learned and go and help. Um, I don't exactly know what form that's going to be. Whether it's going to be, you know, hap rolling out of a current to another world where humans live on Saturn and being like, ha, gotcha, and then yanking her into <laughs> another world or something like that, or whether it's going to be him, you know, rolling up in a car and kidnapping her again. But I, I, I think I think there has to be something to put Prairie in danger again because she has established this, rela- this relationship with the boys where they all, and the boys and BBA, where they all care about her. Um, so in order to kind of spur them to action, I think something needs to threaten her to, to, to prompt that. Okay, interesting. Uh, all right, let's uh, get into the YouTube comments then. Cool, let's do it. A stranger from the outside. As always, guys, if you want to leave comments for Conrad for next episode, episode 7 of season 1 of the OA, put them in the, the comment section of this YouTube video or email us at adpodmail at gmail.com. Right, uh, Conrad. Now, I, I will say before we, before we start, you might notice that I have... People who are commenting, you might notice that I have uh, missed out some comments... Uh, because we're sort of putting him in the same episode, I am being very selective now. But at the same time, if we've sort of answered your question already, I'm not really asking it unless I think there's merit in talking about it again. That makes sense, I yep. think. Um, okay, so first question comes from Venla. And Venla is a Conrad, just to uh, just let nice. you know. Because this this question is, comes from one concerned Conrad to another. Oh, okay. Um, where is Katoon? Um, she was just hiding. She was just hiding. <laughs> like she was... She was in the fish. She was in the bird fish pool, um, just with her head under the water, but with like one of those like bamboo bamboo sticks that like you can breathe through, <laughs> breathe through, like in a spy movie. Um, I mean, look, she has the power to give people their eyesight back or take people's eyesight away. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more to Katoon than meets the eye. I think she can. She, I think all of the guardians can choose when they want to be seen and met. And 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 when they want to, you know, not not be available. So I I think she simply chose. I think she's still there, but I think she simply chose not to be um 
not to be visited or not to be present for um for prairie in this particular this particular situation okay awesome uh question from archbase to rennie for conrad will there be consequences for hap following his encounter with his scientific colleague well i think that is kind of what we're getting to with the cop arresting him um because i think i think his carelessness is as a result of that um that encounter um i don't know if it'll necessarily like specifically the fact that he has killed leon and and you know revealed that leon's experiment is going on will will have repercussions so much as the 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 combined weight of all of hap's actions will eventually catch up with him um but i think certainly him even the cop even getting into his house without him being aware of it is is a is a repercussion of that because his his you know mind was was in other places okay gotcha okay we're going to do two more first is going to come from ted vic disco okay. uh great discussion as, as always guys thank you um just finished watching episode six question for conrad now i'm gonna i want to focus on the second half of this question but i'm gonna read the whole okay. thing it's obvious that Hap's colleague killed him out of jealousy, but do you think there was another reason? That's the first half. The second half I'm a little bit more interested in. Do you think that his patients were obtaining the same dance moves, or are these moves strictly a phenomenon uh, experienced by Prairie's group? No, so I, so I think I think it was jealousy, but I, like, I also think it was opportunism. I think I think Leon demonstrated that he's in it for the money. He's very short-sighted, and Hap and perhaps success could potentially mean that Leon's theory is disproven before it even gets off the ground and that impacts Leon's ability to make money off of it um so he I, I don't think he was killing he was trying to kill Hap because he wanted to steal his research so much as he didn't want competing theories that could potentially impact his success in terms of the movements okay I think it's notable that people aren't getting these movements the first time they have an NDE. And I also think Leon's research is short-sighted enough that he's not giving his subjects the kind of freedom, freedom in inverted commas, that Hap is giving them. There's no discussion between them by the looks of things. It seems like they're just passed out in uh, more containers and, you know, occasionally subjected to a near-death experience. So I... I don't think they're learning the movements, or if they are, I think they're forgetting them as soon as they're they're brought back from the NDE because they're not able to express the kind of the the physicality and the the emotion they have been given during their NDE. Um, that's yeah. I, I I think there has to be there has to be a uh, my my read of it when you compare the two experiments is there has to be some kind of period where you're able to kind of express what you've just experienced in order to to carry those those movements out of the NDE. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and last question comes from Bill Ross. And Bill says, um, how did the OA learn about Leon, the Leon details to relate it, uh, retell it to the kids? Um, was she just making it up or was it based on her suspicions? That's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that. I think she's going to find it out in the next couple of episodes. I think, I think Hap is going to kill the cop or or, or or compromise his experiment in some way um that forces him to like pack up and leave and i think he's going to confide something in prairie before he does um and that's how she'll get the information on leon i, d I don't think i can't see her figuring that out, out herself she's going to have to have a conversation with hap for her to get that information Okay, uh, and uh, Bill adds a little extra comment, uh, question or comment here. It says, from day one of freedom, 
Why hasn't she tried to contact the families of the captives? I've never heard a convincing answer to that. I just want to say, first of all, before you try, you have a little think there. I just want to say this type of question. Um, now I'm sure Bill doesn't mean it this way. I'm like I'm sure not. But this is the type of question that I get all the time on TV shows where people are almost putting it across as an, an issue with the writing or a plot hole in some way. I'm not saying Bill's saying that, but this is the type of question I hear a lot in that regard. And in my mind, yes, we can analyze it and talk about why she didn't. But the fact, the fact of the matter is, it is not unrealistic for a human to make a decision you disagree with. You yeah, know? Um, I, I think that, and I think that's so, a crucial part of this to me. I, I think it's not that the way she's spoken about it. Um, I don't know if Bill knows. Uh, I don't know if he's a comrade or an Anthony. Like, but um, yeah, the, from what she has said, it sounds like they're not on this plane of existence anymore. It's not a case that they're still trapped in a basement mm-hmm. somewhere. They're somewhere else. So. And she's very cagey about revealing any of her experience to the FBI or the authorities in general, because I I, I would assume that the worry is that they're like, well, that they would hear her and say, well, she's clearly insane. Um, she needs to be locked away, and um, and she loses her opportunity to save them. I think that's probably her concern with getting in contact with the families of uh, Scott, Rachel, um, Homer, and um, and Renata as well. It's like, you know, what are you, you going to write to them? Like, dear. Mrs. Homer, he's in another dimension. Can't say more. Trust me. Speak. Speak soon. Yeah. Like it's not. It's, yeah, it's tr- not. Trust me. I don't know where he is. I don't know where he is. But trust me. Yeah. Um. But also, like, I think, I think that is an answer which hopefully will satisfy Bill. My answer as well is is like that as well. But at the same time, it's also she still in her mind is part of that group. Has a mission. Mm. Like best case scenario. She's those people are not going to go back to their families. That that group of five committed to going to another plane of existence. They've already left their families behind, and that's probably why there's there's a lot of caginess and coldness between Prairie and uh, and her parents. Yeah. Because in her mind, she was never going to see them again. And in fact, that like her freedom didn't involve them. Yeah, she doesn't want to go back to that life anymore. Uh, and and I, I think. She thinks that the other four don't want to go back to their lives either because, you know, it's like, um, I don't know, like, I guess it's, it's the equivalent of like moving to a really big city from a tiny village out in the middle of nowhere and then trying to go back to that village in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's just like that mm-hmm. you might want to do it at some point, but the scope is so much smaller and, and, and it's just, you know, when your eyes are open to all those possibilities, it's very hard to go back to what you knew before. Um, and I think that's probably how she feels. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't view it as a flaw, um, in, in either the writing or her character to not immediately get in touch with the families because I just, I, I think she's not that interested in it. Like it, it doesn't, doesn't cross her mind to do it. And what would you say if you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Thanks very much for your questions. Uh, more questions next week. I hope, um, right there we go. Conrad, last thoughts before we give our plugs and go. Um, it's, it's getting good. It's getting good. So I'll say about this show, you know, there's still a couple of moments where the writing's a bit clunky, but generally speaking, we've got some momentum behind us, got some inertia behind us, and I'm I'm enjoying the the run into the the close of season one. Lovely. All right, guys, make sure you subscribe to the Culture Cave on YouTube as well as the audio apps for the podcasts. Uh, could you also please um, like the video? That would help us a lot. If you want to join the Discord for some chat about dark and movies and all and the OA and all sorts of stuff, there's a link in the description. Um, I think that's probably all I'm going to say. AD Podmail, if you want to send us an email. Uh, you can also buy a t-shirt, link in the description of the After Dark podcast. 
I'm thinking possibly of adding an extra design to that shop, Conrad. Maybe a little jackpot. <laughs> uh, who knows? Uh, <laughs> possibly something to do with the jackpot. I'm going to give a cut for that. I haven't even thought about it yet, but immediately my mind goes to Bartos's head on like in like a a, a slot machine where it's like three it's Bartos's idea. in a row. That's a great idea. Jackpot. Um, all right, guys, that's us. Thanks very much for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. The After Dark podcast has been a Culture Cave production. Please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture Team. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown.